60 years ago, Mississippi State and Loyola met in the second round of the 1963 NCAA tournament. The journey to that matchup, however, was anything but easy, in a nation and in a sport still battling with racial segregation. The game of change required two competitive, daring programs, a cunning escape from Mississippi, and a willingness to challenge convention. The Chucker, 1909's resident historian, dives into this historic matchup. In the record books, the March 15, 1963 game between Mississippi State and Loyola Chicago shows up as just another second-round NCAA tournament game, a nondescript 10-point victory by the Ramblers. In reality, though, the contest between Loyola, a groundbreaking team with four black starters, and Mississippi State, a college program located in the nation's epicenter of racial segregation, was so much more. It was the game of change, and it remains among the most transformative moments in college basketball history. The NCAA Men's College Basketball Tournament has created some of the greatest memories in all of sports. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. These games reflect an on-court equality, a diversity that is the essence of sports. Black, white, short, tall, if you can compete, you belong. The closeness with the guys I felt a warmth there, and I, uh, going off the court, the handshakes with guys on uh, the other players, and that the, the eye contact was there. They wasn't, you know, looking away, and the eye and a little smile. I just felt warmth, and the coach was excellent. Babe McCarthy was just warm, 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 and um, I'll never forget that as long as I live. In the early 1960s, you see, the college game was governed by an unwritten rule, a gentleman's agreement that was anything but gentlemanly. Coaches would not play more than three black players at a time. After Loyola lost in the 1962 NIT semifinals to Dayton, Loyola head coach George Ireland rejected the unwritten rule, one he felt handcuffed him from playing his best players. He just got tired of losing and tired of hearing the alumni complain, said John Egan, a white player on Ireland's integrated team. Ireland broke with tradition the following season, the 1962-1963 season, when he started Egan alongside four of his black teammates, Jerry Harkness, Vic Rouse, Les Hunter, and Ron Miller. Though the Ramblers won, finishing the regular season with a nation's best 24-2 mark, Ireland's decision was not universally celebrated. There were vile words and death threats slung at Loyola. Harkness, the Ramblers' star guard and the school's all-time leading scorer, recalls receiving a letter from the Ku Klux Klan saying that the Ramblers didn't deserve to play against whites. I think the people of Mississippi all know that I am a strong believer and an advocate of segregation in every phase of activity in all of our schools. In the NCAA tournament's opening round, Loyola trounced Tennessee Tech 111-42, to 
still the largest margin of victory in an NCAA tournament game. That victory set up a second round matchup with Mississippi State, the ruler of the Southeastern Conference. While the Bulldogs had won four of the last five SEC titles, they had not played in previous NCAA tournaments due to another unwritten rule. This one prohibiting the state's public school athletic programs from playing against integrated teams. In 1962, when Mississippi State finished the season 24-1, Joe Dan Gold and teammate Jack Berkshire traveled to Iowa City to watch NCAA tournament games featuring the likes of West Virginia's Jerry West and Ohio State's John Havlicek. That's when I found out what a big deal we'd been missing, Gold said. Jack and I talked about how we should be playing. Putting his job on the line, Mississippi State University President D.W. Colvard made the decision that Coach Babe McCarthy's 21-5 Mississippi State squad would play in the 1963 NCAA tournament, even if it meant competing against an integrated opponent. With Mississippi State enjoying a first-round bye, McCarthy prepared for a potential second-round matchup with Loyola by traveling to Evanston, Illinois on March 11th to scout the Ramblers. After seeing Loyola trounce Tennessee Tech, McCarthy declared Loyola the greatest fast-break team he had ever seen. Two days before, Loyola was slated to play Mississippi State in East Lansing, Michigan, however, a Mississippi judge signed a temporary order forbidding the use of state money for mixed athletic activities outside the state and for breaching the public policy against integrated athletics. Ireland called the decision a disgrace to basketball, and the order put the NCAA tournament game between Mississippi State and Loyola in peril. It's too bad they may be deprived of proving they were champions of the South, Ireland said of Mississippi State. McCarthy, however, was determined to see his Bulldogs play in the tournament, and he devised a plan to escape possible detention at the Starkville airport. While McCarthy flew to Nashville to avoid being served the restraining order, assistant coach Jerry Simmons kept the team's regulars in seclusion at a dormitory before sneaking the entire squad out of town to evade the court order. At Michigan State's Jenison Fieldhouse on March 15th, a crowd of 12,143, a group almost entirely devoid of Mississippi State supporters, filled the arena. Before tip-off, Harkness, Loyola's All-American point guard, went to midcourt and shook hands with Mississippi State team captain Joe Dan Gold. The flashbulbs just went off unbelievably, and by that time, boy, I knew this was more than just a game. This was history being made, Harkness later recalled. The Bulldogs, the so-called masters of the slowdown game, scored the contest's first seven points and held the Ramblers scoreless for the opening five minutes and 49 seconds. Loyola, though, stormed back to take a 26-19 lead into the break. In the second half, Mississippi State could never get closer than three points. After Mississippi State star Leland Mitchell fouled out with six minutes and 47 seconds to go, Loyola pulled away for a comfortable 61-51 victory behind a 20-point outing from Harkness. We'd have to play a near-perfect game to beat Loyola, McCarthy said after the game. After defeating Mississippi State, Loyola topped in-state rival Illinois 79-64 to reach the Final Four. At Louisville's Freedom Hall, the Ramblers throttled Duke 94-75 to reach the title game against two-time defending champion Cincinnati. 
After falling behind 15 early on, Loyola stormed back to force overtime against the Bearcats, where a last-second putback by Rouse gave the Ramblers a 60-58 victory. The win remains the state of Illinois' only national basketball title. Here, 60 years later, the Loyola-Mississippi State matchup is remembered as the game of change. The contest effectively put an end to segregated college basketball, helping to erase the Jim Crow-era policies of the past and open doors for more black students to receive college athletic scholarships. Three seasons after Loyola's victory, in fact, Texas Western and its five black starters defeated an all-white Kentucky squad 72-65 in the national title game. Much later in life, Gold, who would later coach at Mississippi State, and Harkness, who played six seasons of professional ball before becoming a businessman and civil rights advocate, formed an earnest friendship. When Gold first visited Harkness's house in 2008, Harkness remembers greeting Gold at his door. I remember we shook hands and nodded at one another, Harkness said. I wish I could describe the warmth, the shared feeling. When Gold died of cancer in April 2011 at age 68, Harkness attended the funeral in Kentucky. There, beside the casket, Harkness spotted a 48-year-old photo. It was the now famous shot of Gold in his maroon number 33 Mississippi State uniform, shaking hands with Harkness at center court. The game of change remained as meaningful as ever. For 19.9, I'm the Chucker. That's the one that we knew about all the cards. It was all on the table. None of us were surprised. We were, we knew what was at stake here. And uh, my, ha- my hat went off to the Mississippi State players because I felt no matter what happened, we were okay. I knew that we would win the basketball game. I knew that they were a very good basketball team, but they had so much at stake in because of what they had to do to be able to participate. Uh, my hats went off, all of our hats went off to them. And that's why I say that's, that's the, the biggest game in my life was that game, not winning the national title, that Mississippi State game. listening today if you like what you heard leave us a rating or review five stars only like the basketball camp you can also give us feedback at 199podcast at 199.com again that's 199podcast at 199.com till next time